the fact that uh, you have made us uh, your beloved father you you have done everything to make us acceptable to you that is so wonderful you've done everything for us lord every single thing that's been needed and you have more besides that you're going to do and so we thank you for the transformation that you have made in us and how you love us and care for us in jesus name Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I thought we would go a little bit into prophetic intercession so that that we can get to understand uh, uh, the importance of uh, what we do here on earth and how it affects things in heaven, how it affects um, outcomes in our prayers, how it affects um, God's kingdom advancing. And there is a place where <clears throat> your words and your speaking the word, praying the word, and all of that has its place. And also praying in the Holy Ghost has its place. So there are, are these are languages that we are given so that we can express the will of God. Everything you do in intercession is an expression of the will of God. Amen. Because we are we are to pray in the Spirit and with the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit actually gives us the words to pray. He actually gives us the language to pray. And he actually directs our prayers. So we are, when you talk about praying, we're always talking about the will of God. And the will of God has to be expressed by somebody here on earth before earth can be affected. Uh, for the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's something that people don't really understand. They, and when we talk about the sovereignty of God, God is not going to pour out wealth and riches on you unless you ask him. Amen. Unless you interact with him. And unless you uh, talk with him and converse with him and satisfy him that your faith uh, is is engaged in what you're proposing. So God has to have faith down here from somebody down here on earth before he can do anything. He's got to have somebody down here who believes him. And why is that? Because not believing him is what disconnected us from him. Adam and Eve believed the serpent instead. They were deceived, but they acted on what they believed. And so faith then must be engaged to connect us back to him. That's the law. So he can't overrule his law. He can't, you know, oh, well, they ain't on it today. Let me just give them something, you know, that kind of stuff. There is a such thing as he will have mercy on whom. But part of mercy is giving us license to use his faith. To get things done. And so when we talk about mercy, we don't know what's in the mind and heart of God. You know, we think we know. But, you know, mercy is not a free pass to get everything without obeying God, believing God, and doing what he tells you to do. You know, you, you'd be right back in the world in that case. And so God, being a smart God, he's building his kingdom down here on earth. He's not contributing to what Satan is doing. And he doesn't want his kids engaged in that either. And so we have to realize that when God starts to move on the earth, he has ways of connecting 
with humanity down here on earth through spirit and he must have someone that he can work through to get that done when we didn't when we uh god gave israel the law and when it got evident to god and to them that they couldn't do the law they tried but they couldn't do it we still he still needed a man to fulfill the law so that's why he sent jesus he had that planned all along amen you go back to genesis 3 and you see where he promises to send the seed of the woman would bruise uh would uh crush the devil's head i mean crush it kill him you know put him out put him put him to confusion and, and break his power amen and but the enemy would would uh uh bruise his heel and so the crucifixion is a bruising of the heel amen where satan is able to get his hooks into jesus but not for long it all works out to god's divine plan it's like the devil's worst nightmare is that god would show up in hell and that's exactly what he did amen and so and he did it by by his own wisdom and his own design satan had nothing to do with that because god knows the devil so well he knows exactly what he'll do if he puts a a temptation in front of it amen and so when we we talk about god's uh, desire to help the things of the earth all of that is summed up in the power of the name of jesus Everything that that God wants to do on the earth is done with the authority of Jesus' name. Why? Because he has all power. It was put into his hands, and he has given us keys and access to that power as, as God sees fit for us to do it. You just can't go and get everything you want from God all in one day because you have keys. Keys don't work like that. There are different doors that, that he gives us access to and different things. But we have an inheritance behind those doors. And when you get an inheritance, you get it in increments. You get it according to how the, the one who who has given it to you, the way he distributes it. You know, there are certain things, though, that we can can receive um, just on faith and assume they belong to us. Salvation is one. Healing is the other one amen prosperity comes by certain laws of sowing and reaping that's where you get into having to obey certain laws because god wants not only to to bless us but he has to build the character of christ in us and if he gives money to a thief or keys to the vault to a thief what do you think the thief is going to do he's going to steal everything and that's why he doesn't give us every material thing we wanted because he got to kill the thief out of us he's got to make us like him god is a giver not a taker once he gets his kids converted to be givers and not takers then he can trust you with stuff because he know you ain't gonna keep it he you just gonna do what what he tells you to do with it amen and so when when we understand things that that in god's laws this is our inheritance when we were saved, when we were saved, we were healed. It was a, the atonement was when it was to remove sin from us. But money is something totally different. See, you're redeemed already from the curse of poverty. Everything you set your hands to will prosper. But you got to set your hands to the right things. If God tells you he don't want you working over in this job you're in, 
you're not going to prosper over there. So you might as well find out where he wants you and go get there and make yourself happy. Amen. Because you're not doing anything different <laughs> than what he wants. He, we belong to him. He put us, we wouldn't know what to do with our lives for nothing. That's why you got saved. You ran out of what to do. Amen. Nothing was working and you weren't, you weren't pleased. You felt guilty for everything you did. You know, you felt relief when you got saved. And so once you're saved, you're healed. It's all the same atonement. The atonement, Jesus atoned for surely has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray, everybody to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So iniquity caused the second death, which is going to hell, and it caused sickness. Amen. And so we can come out of both of them at one time if we'll believe for the total benefit of the atonement. You don't have to wonder if God's going to heal you. You're already healed. You can claim that because of the bloodshed. It's been nothing's holding us, nothing standing between you and getting rid of symptoms, getting rid of pills, getting rid of uh, heart attack or, or, uh, the need for oxygen, the need for, uh, blood transfusions or pills or anything like that. There's nothing standing between you and receiving that. So receive it and then let your mind start to adjust to it. Amen. What robs us is our way of thinking. But what about, but what about, but what about, but what about, but what about? I think, well, why don't we just make a, put a, get a big boat and name it the but what about boat and let people jump in there when, when they want to doubt if they're healed. Nobody doubts if they're saved. You know why that is? Cause that's so far off. You, you don't even have to worry about it, but them pills look at you every day. Huh? Them symptoms look at you every day. So you gotta, you gotta risk something. You gotta risk being wrong. You gotta risk looking silly. You gotta risk sounding crazy. Amen. Which never bothers most of us. I knew a woman of three score. No. <laughs> Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but we we have to understand that your soul has to be converted. You you've got to look at that scripture and not reject it in your mind or your spirit. You're going to have to accept it the way it is and let God work from there. And and that's the kingdom way of doing things. It's totally opposite of the world's way. That's why the devil's always putting visible things in front of us to shake our faith in the invisible. Amen. He can keep you looking and feeling and grabbing yourself and wondering about this and that and all that. You know, then he's got your attention. So God, that's why God says, pay attention to me. But pay attention to my word. Don't be looking over there. Don't be feeling your heart and taking your pulse. Stop it. Amen. If you healed, you'll need to check up on yourself all the time. Well, sometimes, shut up. Told you to pay attention to me. Well, what about shut up? I'm shutting up. I'm shutting up. Well, shut up, shutting up. You understand me? Let's cut it out. 
And so once we allow ourselves to settle into what the word is telling us, then it springs forth, you know, because you can get a healing and kill it yourself with your own negative thinking. You understand what I'm saying? And so so you you will have to to pay the price, pay attention, consider not do everything Abraham did, you know, for his his strong faith. And you got to want strong faith because most of the things people are asking God for. If you look at the level of the faith they're exercising, it is kind of piddly. So you got to work on it. There's nothing wrong with piddly as long as you're working on it. Amen. Don't walk away empty handed. Say, God, what do I need to get go from piddly to real strong? You know, what do I need to get, do to get there and just get to getting? Amen. Just do what you do. Amen. And so so part of intercession has to do with the natural acting out of what God needs to have done so that he can bring to pass what we desire. There is a natural action that demonstrates our faith that must be done so that God can bring what we need to pass. Just like faith without works is dead, there are some works that need to be uh, acted out in the realm of the spirit so that God can bring the answer that we want. And I'll try to explain as best I can. Of course, you know, you never have total revelation sometimes on anything because there's always more. But there are some things that you see in the Bible that look a little strange somehow or, oh, where'd that come from? Why, why did, why are we doing that? Why we do? Now, when it comes to the things that are related to the ministry of Jesus, you can kind of see real clearly that faith without works is dead and that many of the things that people did were were ways for them to show God their faith because faith is an action it's not just oh i believe or you just sit and think about it and it sounds good to you but faith you must do something to demonstrate your faith in order for you to impress God that that you really believe him amen so many times what we do, say, for instance, we will change the way we speak about something and we'll start speaking heaven speak or heaven's language. So if if you are uh, 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 if Jesus has already paid the price for something, that means that you can have it now. So when you start acting as though you have it already. That's when you start to take it on, not before. You've got you've to show God you really believe him. And these are prophetic movements or prophetic ways to express your faith so that the manifestation can come into the natural realm. So the reason for prophetic intercession is to bring things from the invisible realm into the visible realm. And these things oftentimes must be done so that that God can accomplish, just like the lepers that had to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. We all know wenting brings healing. And if you can act like you have it before you have it, you'll get it. That's faith. 
that's prophetic faith so you are in a sense you're interceding on your own behalf when you you know you say well if i'm healed i better get up and start doing some housework or i better get up and put on some clothes i better get up and do you know and uh, and and you pretty soon the the uh, healing anointing catches up with you and disease will leave your body i mean it's just a fact it's a spiritual fact well just as that is the way to get uh healing into your body uh you know the other way is we we know it starts out with your confession you know according to romans 10 9 and 10 believe in your heart but you must confess with your mouth that's the way everything comes comes through your words amen so if you don't say it you don't get it just like if you're leading somebody to christ they can't just believe you believe anything you want to about jesus but until you turn away from your sin and ask him to come in you ain't saved you got me and so uh, these are things that that must be done your confession really is the first expression of your faith but your confession also gives god permission to work in your life amen you know, you see a lot of people who say, well, I'm called to this and I'm called to that. Or or I stand in this office, you know, and they ain't standing in nothing, you know, not even they ain't even standing in a good pool of water, you know. And so why? Because God's never offered it to them and they've never accepted it. And when God when God calls you, if he says, hey, a prophet, you say, yes, sir, here I am. Send me. I receive it. Thank you. You know, that's me. I'll work for you. You got to say something. But you say it in response to an invite. If you never get invited to the dance, don't buy no dress. So you got a lot of self-titled people that's never been invited to the party. Now, you can buy all the prom dresses that you want to, but if nobody asks you, well, you can buy the dress. You can show up. They show up by themselves. Now, it used to be you would you were too ashamed to go without a date. You know, the girls get a bunch of girls together. Guys get a bunch of guys together. It's cheaper that way. <laughs> and less trouble usually, you know. But uh, but if, if you've never, uh, that's what a call is. It's your name. That's who you are. That's you. We've got many names in God. Son, daughter, beloved, righteous. Amen. But also what you're called to do. You're called intercessor, watchman. Amen. If you're called to the fivefold evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, whatever it is. But that's you got to be called that first before you can respond to it. Other than that, it's just imaginary call. If there's never any signs of that office that follow you, forget about it. Let's quit this imaginary stuff. Because God is serious about this. He's winding this up and he can't use these nonsense people to do no work. You can't anoint nonsense shenanigans mayhem malfeasance malpractice none of that you can't anoint that you can only anoint a true vessel that's called of god amen and then you got to go through your paces to get there so you know this is nothing to play with let's stop the, the nonsense here but god needs people 
who will step out and just obey him because there are certain maneuvers that need to be done spiritually speaking to get results that God wants done. Period. And and these are prophetic movements. We know that prophets very often are very dramatic. Amen. And actors. Amen. Don't judge me. It's a gift. Amen. Just like what you got is a gift. Find out what yours is. I I have to own mine all the time. Amen. But we're comfortable doing that stuff. Why? Because people are very dense. It will shock you. You understand? You got to get God's point across to people. It'll shock you sometimes. People be sitting there looking at you, and you ask them, "What? What? What, would you, what was the sermon about?" I don't know, but it was good. Well, you know, these are people who live mostly in their feelings and emotion. You know, I mean, if if it gives them a good feeling, they're lost in the feeling. Is it? What is she talking about? Huh? So this is this is what it is, and and there are times when God will do things that are attention getting, provocative, whatever it is, to drive the point across to people. Amen. The more sleep people are, the more you got to do, the more drama you have to portray to make sure that that the point is made. But also, there is a a prophetic movement that has meaning in the realm of the spirit 100%. So there is the prophetic intercession to to uh influence humans, human flesh down here on earth, but there's also prophetic movements that demonstrate uh a message from God in the realm of the spirit. Amen. And so these things must be done. God has to find people who are willing to do them they have to he has to find people who are willing to say what he tells them to say the way he tells them to say it and if there's drama involved let's do the drama too you got me and so so this is the way it is folks you take it or leave it whether you like it or not it's just that way amen and so there are certain things you know some people have certain mannerisms that they'll do you see prophets sometimes when they're preaching They'll do certain mannerisms they do to emphasize a certain point, you know, that kind of. Kelly Cruz, she would always take the mic and pretend to drop it and walk off. And it's like, y'all better pay attention to me. I like that better than fussing at you all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, more, it's more genuine. I mean, it's just whatever God gives you to, to those are, those are your mannerisms that he gives you to, to demonstrate his power, his point. But in intercession, these these maneuvers are done to emphasize a point to principalities and powers, often to human flesh, if human flesh is involved in the looking of it. But it mostly is done to drive home a point in the realm of the spirit that needs to be driven home so that evil powers can be broken, so that God's word can come to pass, God's power can permeate an area. All of those things are done through prophetic intercession. And that's why intercessors need to feel free to um, uh, act out sometimes what God is saying, 
Um, they have to feel free sometimes to uh, get louder, get more subtle, whatever it is. Um, I'll give you a good example. If you can go on YouTube and see some of the videos of Kim Clement, what he did most of the time was intercession. He prophesied, but many times he was interceding so that God's word could get into the earth. And you will see him break out into a song and people dance and, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you look at you know, people who, like myself, who kind of think they know it all from time to time. You know, sit back. You want to sit back and observe everybody and, 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 and these are what are people dancing for you know and sit down and listen you know because i want to hear what he's saying i'm interested in the word but you don't know if them jumpy dancy people is keeping the atmosphere right for it. you understand what i'm saying so we got to take it all we got to swallow the whole enchilada you get what you want out of the deal you know little miss pay attention to the word and let them dancy people get you do what they're there for you know and so so we have to take the whole ball of wax you know he's in charge of his meeting i you know sometimes if i need to hear i use poor miss nola she'd have to scare all the flag wavers off the off the front row you know it's distracting to me i'm trying to hear from god now some other people may not be this but it is to me and it's my meat we'll put the flags down you understand? You ain't doing nothing no way. If that was helping the meeting, go after it. But I know it ain't helping the meeting, so put it down. You know, all these things, people, you know, sometimes they're they're powerful in a certain season. But when that season's over, let them things go. You understand what I'm saying? And so the same thing, uh, we would use tambourines freely in our meetings. But but Benny Hinn, they they drive them nuts. They grab, they look, they hear a tambourine. They tell you, you better put that thing. They come and they jump over the thing and get you. I've had it happen. Yeah, they jump over that thing and get you. I'll put that away. And if you kept banging it, they took it from you or something. I don't know what they did, but I put mine right back in my little bag, you know. Because, you know, tambourines was a thing after a while. You know, you just, you know, the atmosphere it helped some atmospheres, but his it didn't. See, it was a distraction. So so these things are, are very important to observe and understand that they have meaning. And, and there are certain activities that have spiritual implications, especially when God's spirit, when the Holy Spirit is orchestrating and you want him to dominate a meeting, you have to be careful to know what things help that and what things hinder and work with what helps forget about what hinders so um okay so anyway the prophetic intercession so let's go to exodus chapter 17 and um we'll see one of the battles of um that israel came into their first battle actually because they were they were still in the wilderness just coming out of egypt and so they they get attacked by uh the Amalekites and uh there's a, a a response that God has to give them in the spirit now God told them that no he was go with them he would fight for them go before them he told them all those things but after a while God has to show you that what he says is true you know i mean we all have to experience that 
And so when when we get to the first battle, something interesting happens. And it starts in verse 8. It says, Then came Amalek and fought against Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So here we have a strategy that God has given Moses. You know, it's not like Moses makes this stuff up. Now, I know there are people that make up stuff, but hopefully we aren't those people and you aren't those people. Anything we do, sometimes you might try something to see if it'll work. You understand? But it has to be scriptural that you bring it into a situation. You just can't try anything. You try some things that that are scriptural. And he says, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now, God's rod always represented power and authority. Amen. Uh, that rod and that rod was used to prove God's dominion, to prove his superiority against every enemy, uh, to prove uh, that that a man was that God was with you. Remember, Moses had used that rod before. He threw it on the ground and in front of Pharaoh's Pharaoh's magicians. Uh, his became a serpent, theirs became a serpent, but in the end, his gobbled theirs up. So that rod represents God's superiority in all areas. So Moses is right to use that to aid them in war. And so apparently God approves because then they go out to the to the battle. Uh, so um, Amalek really are the descendants of Esau. Amen. So they are enemies of Jacob, the sons of Jacob. So there's the, the rivalry that's being going on there. Uh, they were never told to be friends with with um, uh, God's people. And so there's an animosity there, and they want to attack them, and, and they want to to defeat them. Moses is not only God's prophet, but he's God's intercessor. Moses always goes before God on behalf of the people. Amen. Pastors need to understand that more, I think. They need to petition God more on behalf of the people that they lead. You know, instead of always looking for a way to increase numbers, you you got me, Uh, because they're not one and the same thing. And so once you begin to intercede for people, you got to understand how God allows you to help them. Then then you've got to make sure you continue that and not try to just, you know, dump it, not do it or I'm tired of it kind of thing. And God will always send help to uh, ministers, you know, pastors, whoever's in charge, uh, that's always part of God's plan. His, it's never his plan just to use one person and, you know, like a superstar of the whole place kind of thing. It's always to bring alongside uh, helpers. And so we see now for for the time that Moses had led the children of Israel, he's been the number one guy. He's been the one who has done everything. However, we get to this this battle and we see uh, a different branching of a plan of God coming into effect as well. So the rod of God represents victory. 
strength and power, supreme authority. There's nobody bigger. So whenever Israel depended on the rod of God, they always had victory. So the rod of God is, 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 the rod is symbolic of God's power, but it also is going to change some throughout Israel's history. So the rod will, will pass on from generation to generation, but it will now take the form of an anointing. And so the rod of God is also the anointing of God. So, so Moses was anointed, but they lived in a day and age where people, they weren't born of the spirit, number one, and they had to always see something in the natural to know God was with them. He, he led them by a cloud at, 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 in the daytime and, and in a pillar by night, and it never left them. It was a visible sign of God being with them all the time. And so these things are necessary um, uh, until we we understand and how to how to ap- appreciate God by the Spirit and appreciate His Word. Now nowadays we don't get visible signs all the time because they can confuse us. Now He speaks to us through His Word. So you got to be in the Word. Now if if you if you don't get everything you need out of the Word, sometimes God will send you a different form of communication. He still uses the word primarily. So his first line of communication with his kids is you reading your Bible as an individual. He's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you what you just read, interprets for you, and gives you the message of God. Secondarily, he uses the ministry gifts, uses preachers. So when you go to church and you hear your sermon or you hear what God has prepared for you, he speaks to you again, but it's still the word. Third, he will use the gifts of the Holy Spirit like prophecy. It's still verbal. It's still the word. He can also speak to you in visions and dreams. These are pictures, but they're still the word. Everything lines up. Why? Because Jesus has to have the preeminence and he is the word made flesh. So he must have the preeminence in everything. So the word's got to come first before anything will come into the earth, before anything will manifest, where anything comes good. In this dispensation, the word is supreme. Amen. He honors his word above his name. And so we have to respect that and understand that and not look for a sign. Amen. You look for God through his word and because the word is totally by the spirit. Amen. You hear it naturally in your ears, but it gets translated and interpreted in your spirit. And so God is spirit and he wants to talk to us through our spirits. That's a candle of God is the spirit of man. And so this is this is how he communicates and, and deals with us in the now. At times he will give a demonstration. Amen. Of his power, demonstration of his word, but it's mostly to confirm the word after it's been spoken or after it's been prayed. But if we back up to where Moses were, those people didn't know God. They hadn't, they hadn't had, they didn't have any law. They were just out there trying to feel their way. And so then God begins to use this rod as a way to speak to people to set apart certain of his servants so that they will know who to follow. 
You follow the guy with the rod. Because every time we get in trouble, the rod comes out and it works for us. Amen. When we got thirsty, God told him to hit the rock with the rod and water came out. So that rod and that man is connected. So we got to know that's where God is. You got me? So God has to give a visible sign to people who have no clue who he is. Amen. And it grows from there. So we have grown in our understanding of who God is from the man with the rod and wherever the rod was, that's where God's power was. And we follow that and we don't follow these other gods over here. Amen. When the rod was missing for 40 days, what happened? Huh? What happened? Huh? Yeah, and they made a golden calf. They made something else to follow. So people will follow something. Amen. And Moses went up to talk to God. He couldn't, couldn't, they couldn't wait to turn around and do something different. So, you know, this, this is just the way things are. And so when, when he, he comes back and, you know, with the law, and so they're working through the details of the law, but Moses is still the guy with the rod. The rod's got the power. The rod is where God is, and so we we let that man and that rod do their thing. So it says here, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, verse 10, went up to the top of the hill. Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And the, all of this is happening at one time. So it's not like Joshua's down there fighting and they still got a hump in their back trying to get up to the top of the hill, you know. Chances are very good. They went up there first and the battle began. It says, and it came to pass that when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And he went, when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So this is prophetic intercession to win a warfare. That holding up his hand has no power in it at all in the natural, but in the spirit it spoke volumes. He Here you have a man that's been given instruction to God, and if he can be obedient to God, they'll win. So it's always incumbent upon the leader to show leadership and learn how to win things for the congregation in God. Amen? You You can't have much of a congregation of winners if the leader isn't a winner, and the leader isn't determined determined to stay close to god and get the victory amen you you got to have that and so in so many churches we don't have leaders we have people just show up and talk and you know they dance around now nowadays people it's all performance it's 100 percent performance why because these people have not been taught they don't have much discipline but they have a, you know a, a smile and they have clothes and they can draw people in, and this is what they do. And and they're going to be held accountable for that. You don't pin up a bunch of people and tell them you're representing God and give them a lot of nonsense to eat. Amen? And so so uh, so you got to have real food, folks. If you're going to survive, you got to have real food. And it says when he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. So he saw this. And he made up his mind, man, I got to keep these arms up no matter what, because every time I put my hand down, somebody down there gets gets killed. And you don't want people getting killed. So you can't lay down on the job. So you search God for a way 
to assist yourself to do what needs to be done. So it's apparent that Moses needs help and that he's going to take some helpers with him instead of going in anyway and failing. He decides to humble himself and take uh, take some help with him. And Moses' hands, as it says here, were heavy. Amen. In other words, he he hadn't worked out at the gym enough, I guess, to keep too busy fasting. You know what I'm saying? He ate much. So his hands got heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on the stone. And Aaron and her stayed his hands up, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. Amen. Write this down, Moses. So really, God is making ordinances and laws for them as they go. And so as he's as he's going they are, they are finding out things about God, what works, what doesn't work, and they have to make note of them when God says to make note of it. And he says, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Why is this important for Joshua? Why, why do we have to write this down? It says, and Moses built an altar, and called it Jehovah Nisi, amen, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that he will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen. What does Jehovah Nisi mean? I forgot to look that up. I'm looking. A banner? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so really, now, now, and this is important. I'm sorry I didn't look it up. I kind of, I thought it meant the Lord our banner, our standard bearer, the one who holds up a standard in the presence of the enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he will lift up a banner or a standard. Standard is just who you are. It's, you know, and, and the banner is, is in the spirit. It sends a message to the enemy. And so this is what the banner was for. When you see people going out to war, um, you know, if it was the, the England against France, whoever was the ruling house in that nation, they had an emblem on a banner, and it went first in the war. So the standard bearer uh, was what the person was called. They carried a banner into the war. And you looked at it, and you said, oh, who is that? I thought I had, do I have them in my speed dial? Oh, no. The reason I don't is because they're going to kill me if I show up. You know, it, it said who you were before you even got there. And the enemy, if the enemy felt like he could challenge you, war happened. But if he saw that standard, he said, no, nah, we better tuck tail and run because we get mixed up with these people. It's a whole lot more of them coming. You got me? A- amen. And so this is this is why we every country has a flag. We're probably the only country that burns ours like a bunch of idiots, you know, make it mean nothing. And they're trying to live without any rules and laws, you know. 
have at it. I'm I'm living under this one nation under God. I don't know about y'all, but I'm no match for all these other nations by myself. And so so this is why you have a flag. Your flag is symbolic of who you are. What we we represent God, honey. I don't care what anybody tells you. When they start burning flags, they're only after one person. That's God. You got me? Stupid. But anyway, people say, well, uh, uh, every, everybody else has a day, you know, for, for God, you got Christmas and Easter. There's no holiday for the atheist. Yeah, it is April Fool's Day. Cause the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. So they got a day too. Amen. So I don't know how I got over there, but anyway, Moses, Moses' hands were heavy and they set up a statute and an ordinance that God was going to drive Amalek from under heaven. What that meant was for generations to come, don't make friends with these people. They, they attacked you and God, uh, fought for you and defended you. And now God's them got them on his naughty list. So you don't make friends with them. You don't make any covenant with them. You don't spare them anything. You don't let them pass through your territory. They are the sworn enemy, not only of you, but of God. Amen. So God is the one who chooses our enemies. Amen. You don't choose your enemies. People can't do anything to you. Forget about they talking about me. You need to be talked about. Probably. And not in a good way. You start doing some nice things, people won't talk about you so much. And you quit imagining yourself to be more important than you are, and you wouldn't care what people think anyway. You got me? It's too much of you around. You know, you see these little things, these so-called prophecies. God's gonna bless you in front of your haters. He don't he don't get involved in your petty crap. Are you kidding me? And you don't even know how to get bread on the table every meal. You worried about haters. You better go get you a job. The fact that you broke has nothing to do with people hating you. Just you just don't have nothing in your kitty. You need to be trying to figure out how to manage your finances so you can have something. Amen. Terrible. So God makes an ordinance that He will take up the battle against Amalek from this point on. Nahum one nine says, What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up a second time. So Amalek is going to go about their business if they got any sense. But if they do strike again, God will be there to defend you again. Now, this is a a really important uh, principle with God, that once he has fought one battle for you, he's going to show up again the next time that enemy hits you. You got me? If he's paid a, a, a utility bill before you that you, oops, forgot it where's the money oops i forgot it you understand what i'm saying you forgot to pay no bill you didn't intend to pay that bill you ain't forgot nothing 
And the people that you owe money to, they don't care to hear an excuse. They just slap you with a late fee. That that cuts out all controversy about it. They don't care why you didn't pay it, when you go pay it. All as long as it goes unpaid, you get a, a late fee on that. So they don't have to listen to your lies and your made up stories about why you didn't pay on time. Amen. Amen. So that that's a money settles all. You know, it, it speaks volumes and it settles all things. So, so, so God said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So God has sworn in your life that he will have war with poverty from generation to generation. He's going to help you fight that. He has sworn from generation to generation that he will have war with disease. That he will have war with the devil when he tries to stop you from going forward doing what God. He will have war with your Amalek. Amen. Your sworn enemy. The one, one who fought you from before you were, when you were in the womb. Amen. Remember that Jacob and Esau fighting over who was going to be born first. Amen. And so, so God, these enemies are sworn enemies against the human race. And that's why God fights them for us. He knows if you can't get money, you're not going to live very long. If you don't have shelter, you're not going to, you know, all of these things, he's he's fighting for us to be able to obtain these things. And so he will be there in the fight with us for, for the, the things that we need and the things that he's already guaranteed that we will possess. So Nahum 1.9 tells us this is a principle. Affliction will not rise up a second time. In other words, anybody who attacked you and you withstood and God was with you and you prevailed, you will not have to face them over and over and over again. Once you get victory, it's a total victory. Now, Moses having to lift his arms represents really God's covering and God's prevailing in that war. Him standing there and letting the heavens see that he was depending on God and God alone. He did not lift the sword. He did not speak a word. He just lifted that up to God and God prevailed. And so there are certain activities that God will have you do in the realm of the spirit, which will cause him to prevail. Sometimes when you'll find yourself praying, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you pray in tongues, you'll find your tongues may change in volume. They'll change in content. They'll change in duration. And so that's one aspect of prophetic warfare, because in your spirit, your spirit man perceives something that needs different attention than what you've been giving to it. Amen. I always say your pocket change tongues versus your, you know what I'm saying. You know, because there's a tongue that we pray to edify ourselves, and you need to do that to keep your spirit strong. But if you're in the realm of the spirit and you run into an obstacle in there, you have to use the volume of tongues that the Holy Spirit releases through you so that you can move that obstacle out of the way. And you got to stay in that volume until you get what we call a release, that you get a peace in your spirit, and you know that that work is done. Now, those are all prophetic moves. They're not just praying in tongues. Amen. 
it's prophetic in that you are engaged, actually engaged in a warfare, and you must press your way through it so that you don't just stop praying because you're tired of praying. You've got to continue until you feel the release of that so that that you know that the job is done. And so pay attention to your tongues. Pay attention to your prayer. Pay attention to uh, how God uses you in that way so that uh, you can understand more about uh, what's going on. This this way you know that you're really engaged in real warfare. You're not just praying in tongues, bored, you know, just, you know, got to get through this and all this. There are times when you'll actually uh, uh, perceive and, and hit on some things. The other thing is that when you pray in tongues, often you're, uh, the tongues, you know, tongues are for different reasons. There's the gift of, of the gift of tongues, which is for edification of your spirit, keep you in the love of God, the Bible says. But then there's also a tongue and interpretation, which is the equivalent of prophecy. And that can fall on you when you're praying as well, when you're interceding. You just feel it flip over sometimes. And God will start to speak to you or give you understanding of what you just prayed or will pray through you uh, something in English that you picked up the interpretation of in the realm of the spirit. And so the tongue's interpretation is not just for public speaking. It's to help you understand what you are saying because God wants to send you a message and he don't want it blabbed everywhere. Earl Roberts, he said that that was how he got the plan for the city of faith and for everything he built out there. He said, I thank God for the gift of tongues because I would go and walk. He would go out and walk the property that he was looking at and bought it and all that. He said, I would pray in tongues and God would would tell me back, interpret to me what I just prayed to him or what I prayed through him. He prayed through me and I got understanding of what I was to do. I got the plan of what I was to do. Well, why couldn't God just sit him down and write it out? Well, he does that too. Amen. But these are the deep things of God. Amen. You want the spirit to help you to reveal the deep things of God. Amen. And it wasn't like, and these were things that he had to give to him personally. You know, sometimes you, you know, you got a board of directors, you got a board of this, board of that. And you say, well, God wants us to do this, so I need to get a plan. Anybody suggestions? No, he don't do it like that all the time. He didn't want a bunch of suggestions. Now, after he gets the plan from God, he can present it to people to confirm it. You know, you don't want to just be jumping out there on your own doing everything. And that's why God gives you helpers. People who can assist you and help you with these things, but you got to have ideas first. You got to get some from God first. Amen. You know, everything that we've done in ministry, God brought it to me, and then I would take it to people in the ministry, you know, in, in a group of individuals who God had called to, to help make, make the rules and so forth and help carry out the plan. You share that with them and get their feedback on it. Amen. We can do it. We can't do it. Most people just look at me and say, well, okay, well, what, you know, whatever. Just get lost. Let's go. You know what I'm saying. After a while, you learn how to function and flow together. 
so that you you're not bringing something that people will oppose because they don't like the idea you got to get it from god and then their witness confirms what god's doing we had to do conferences i'm thinking to myself god where are we gonna get the money from you know that was the the main thing and you know everybody thank god everybody was on board but they were looking at me to come up with where the money's coming from you understand what i'm saying because people can only do what they can do but then after god after you step out in faith and you see god is there with everything you need then you get the confidence to keep going everybody can enjoy it until it gets off the ground it's 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 going to be a little bit of a fight but once you get things established then people start to find their their gift they find their talent they find their what they're going to do to help the process help things move along and this is the way you you get things done in god and so here we have moses aaron and her and moses is kind of running out of steam you understand what i'm saying this this rod is is cool but you know as moses when moses needs the rod but we'll begin to see this rod kind of fade at at some point in the bible you don't see the rod mentioned anymore amen amen because one thing when moses leaves he's got to use the rod to hike up to the mountain and he ain't seen no more so the rod went with him amen and so there are certain things that god will bring into into the earth that are peculiar to certain people certain that rod meant something to him amen he had that from the beginning and that was like his point of contact to to connect with god amen but after that you need things grow and things change and so that's what what happens here and so here we have he he builds an altar jehovah nisi because god is our banner god holds up a standard in the realm of the spirit so moses holding up that rod was god's standard in the spirit and the amalekites probably never even saw moses holding up nothing but they felt god gaining on them they felt their their opposition gaining on them so in the realm of the spirit that rod that rod holding up meant you stop and you leave my people alone amen and so that's why it had to be held up because they prevailed so he was able to see that that him being obedient to god like that caused him to prevail um in in you when you drop down to chapter 18 you start seeing a change and so moses father-in-law is a holy man but he's with another god he's in midian and that's a a pagan place but but somehow his father-in-law is jethro and somehow jethro likes moses likes his god and likes what's going on in moses's life so he gets he's like a proud father-in-law he gets kind of like oh okay moses what you doing you mean you did that pharaoh oh you kidding me really so jethro is kind of like interested in moses god now he said i'm liking this god you know he better than mine is so he he talks to him in in, in chapter 18 moses father-in-law jethro he was a priest of midian 
and he heard about what what God had done for Moses is verse one. What God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So he's he's heard all of this stuff, and and uh, he goes to visit Moses in the wilderness. So he's so impressed, he goes to him, and in Moses went out to meet him in verse seven. In verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them in the wilderness, and how the Lord delivered them from all of this stuff. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro blessed Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of. Now, this is like a him getting saved. When he starts to bless another God, that means he ain't blessing his God no more. So this guy's come on board. You know, he's more or less converted. And it says, uh, and he took, it says here, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. So he's a convert. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So he said, if he could top Pharaoh, he got to be God. Amen. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and a sacrifice for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So this is a covenant that Jethro is saying, I'm leaving now. I used to be a priest for this God, but he got me nowhere. I've been looking for the real God all along. Here he is. I'm on board. So they have a covenant meal, and that having a meal was symbolic of joining with somebody. He makes a table for me in the presence of the people that used to be my enemies, but now they're going to be my friends. That's what that is. That ain't talking about setting up food for you in front of people that are your haters. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, why? What's the purpose of that? You can go eat in peace in your house. But with the set of table, preparing a table in the presence of enemies means that he's bringing peace between you and your enemies. That's all that means. Okay. And so he says, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood by Moses from morning to evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what are you doing? How'd you get an idea like this, Moses? Come on, man. He said, I don't roll like that. Let me tell you how to roll, Moses. And so Jethro, in his wisdom now, he gets a wisdom borrowed from his methods, but sanctioned by Moses' God. Because he would not be allowed to speak into Moses' life like this unless God put him, gave him a place there. So he sets Jethro up as a counselor to Moses at least in this situation. So then Jethro starts to move in the wisdom of God and tells Moses a better way. And Moses said to his father, because the people come to me to inquire of God, they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between them one another. I make them laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. 
He said, they, these people will wear you out. You got me? Because I think Jethro knew it from experience, but he also saw what Moses was dealing with. And he says, these people that are with you, the thing that they're bringing is too heavy for you. You're not going to be able to do this by yourself alone, which is a good thing to bring up because Moses just had that experience. See, he's God's talking to Moses now. Hearken now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Wow. Jethro, that's pretty cool for somebody who just got saved. You know what I'm saying? And, and to the people to God were that you may bring the causes unto God and you shall teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work what that they must do. So here Jethro's prophesying the, the Ten Commandments. He's prophesying the book of the law. He's prophesying all of this, that, that you're going to get to a place, Moses, where you're going to get this thing organized. You're going to get it orderly, and you're going to pass it over on to people who can help. He says, moreover, you shall provide of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. So he's laying out a total plan for Moses for how to organize his people. Get the burden off of you for sitting there all day listening to comp- They stole my cow. No, I didn't. That's my cow. I can prove- you understand what I'm saying? You hear that all day? <laughs> so Moses was glad to hear that. And he says in verse 23, if you shall do this thing and God command you so, then you shall be able to endure. And all these people shall go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over people, rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, hard causes they brought to Moses. So it was anything above their pay grade. You know, what they needed a, a prophet who stood in that office, then, then they could call him. Amen. And so, and they judged the people at all seasons. And Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way to his own land. So, so this is how God organizes and sets up people and distributes power. He wants to distribute power to everybody. That's God's goal. But he has to do it through leadership, leadership that understands their limitations, understands wisdom when they see it and, and can move out of the way when it's time to move out of the way. And, and so this is this is all that God's doing here. He's setting up a system where people will respect these people, get people that are respectable. You know, no deadbeats. Don't get nobody who's always in controversy with the neighbor. You know, get some peaceful people up here. And, you know, quality people that really love God and can do the will of God. And and so this is this is how you rule. This is good wisdom. And the fact that Jethro made a commitment to God ahead of time, put him in a place of respect, counsel, not authority over Moses. Counsel is different than authority. Amen. If somebody, you know, say, for instance, if you are a, the 
head of a church. You're the pastor. You have authority in that place. Amen. But if you're the pastor and you have a, a question with something, you go to another minister. They're not in authority over you when they give you counsel. You don't relinquish your responsibility to your flock to another minister just because they answer a question for you or have some input for you here and there. You got me? You don't change structure just because you recognize you have a limitation. There's somebody who maybe can help you with that. Big difference. Just like your 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 girlfriends that you like to pray with, they don't become your pastor. You understand what I'm saying? Just because they can pray good. You respect that gift and, and all of that, but they are not equipped to stand before God and be responsible for your soul. They don't have that assigned to them. And so you've you got to be careful about some of this freedom and some of this, you know, because there are people out there who will gladly tell you, well, you're supposed to submit to me. I've heard people tell people that. There was some some woman I knew that she said, well, do you know so-and-so? I said, yeah, I know that person. But do you believe in what they do? What do you mean believe in what they do? What they doing? Well, I call her every day to get a prophecy. I won't say you crazy. You need to open your Bible every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's crazy people out here, folks. God gives you a shepherd so you don't get in the wolf's you don't get ed up by the wolf. You understand what I'm saying? You know, and still there's some people that go and do their own thing. You know, they they can be eaten from your bowl and don't trust you all along. Be looking for somebody else to eat from. So, you know, you, you kind of got to stay with what God gives you and allow God to direct your steps, allow him to give you wisdom, allow you to allow him to tell you where you belong, where you don't belong, because God knows. And everybody belongs somewhere if you name the name of Jesus. So he's given you a, a place to be and a shepherd over you and so that your life can go well. You know, you don't want to miss what God. Some people don't care. They don't care about all that. But, you know, that's the system. That's the way it's supposed to work. So I thought we would attack Pharaoh again because we've been talking about him. And I see where he wants to continue to take little children over the border as they come illegally in here. This whole thing at the border is totally evil, folks. You know, you got to know that. If, you, if, if you're loyal to some kind of party or something, you need to start asking God to deliver you because that's, you're, not, you're loyal to God. You can't, can't have two loyalties. And a lot of times people overlook things because their party is in power. But this is wrong. They've, 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 quote, unquote, lost close to 100,000 children. You got me? And they say the dark web, the dark Internet is full of adults raping infants, toddlers, school-age children. They sell these films to one another. It's a whole, you know, network of sick satanic evil people and you know we got christians who will say there's no such thing as the devil and there's no such thing as hell those aren't christians you got me so god is is sorting us out 
and showing us that he has truth for us to live by. And you got to live by his truth every day. You know, you can't have allegiances outside of where God God puts you. So so we're going to pray and put Pharaoh in his place. And, you know, we're uh, thank God the people of Texas are taking a stand instead of letting those people run over. Oh, 10, mil- 10 million people illegally here and our government's letting them do it against the will of the people. There are too many people that don't want this for us to say they're representing us when they do these things. So, Father, we ask you to raise up your people. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we declare to you, Pharaoh, to let the people of God go so we can worship and serve the Lord. We bind you and your servants. We bind your powers of pride, compromise false authority, witchcraft, false signs and wonders, oppression, bondage, man-killing, abortion, deceit, fear, idolatry, child abuse, domestic violence, drug abuse, and prostitution. We plague your land with pestilence and famine. We rain hail and fire on your spiritual wickedness. Our prayers will be like boils in your flesh, and we scatter your servants, strip your chariots of their wheels. We strip you of your strength. We refuse to serve you any longer by the arm of flesh. We will only serve the living God by the Spirit. We speak only woe to you and weeping and sorrow for your sin. We say that the Lord, he is God. He has already defeated you. He has taken the honor from you. And we pray, Exodus 15, the Lord is our strength and song. He's become our salvation. He is our God and our dwelling place. And we will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. Jesus is his name. Pharaoh, your chariots and your hosts were thrown into the sea. And your chosen captains drowned. You have no power. The waters have covered them. They sank into the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. And have broken the enemy in pieces in the greatness of your power. You have overthrown them that rise up against you. You sent forth your wrath which consumed them as with as stubble with the blast of your nostrils. The waters were gathered together. They stood upright as a heap. The enemy said, I will pursue. I'll overtake. I'll divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I'll drop my sword. My head shall destroy them. You did blow with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Now who is like unto you, O Lord, among gods? Who is like unto you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises and doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed the enemy. You and your mercy has led forth the people you redeemed. You have guided them in your strength into a holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the wicked. The rulers of wickedness will be amazed. They shall tremble and melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of your arm. They shall be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till your people pass over, which you have purchased. They shall bring them into the mountain of their their inheritance, in the place which you have made for them to dwell in, in the sanctuary which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever and ever and evermore. We thank you, Father, for that in the holy and the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. All right. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I don't have, and you talk about whatever else you're fighting. 
and it can't get you. It don't have you. Can't get you. None of the above. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for this fellowship right now. Um, I think, where's this? Is this in India? You know what country we're in? Pastor uh, Samuel Masi. Thank you, Lord. And Sandu Sundar, a Singh fellowship. Oh, okay. I know who Sandar Sundar <laughs> Sandu Sundar Singh is. For his fellowship, we thank you, Lord, for success for them. Thank you, Lord, that every need that they have is already met. Father, we decree it. We thank you that they will see uh, results today. Send them uh, a seed today, Father. Send them payment today. Send them uh, that need met today, right today, Father. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.